Hey, thank you for tuning in to Extra Healthy-ish, the big sister potty to Healthy-ish. Both podcasts are from Body and Soul with me, your host, Felicity Harley. Hey, do you ever think about your heart health? It's just one of those things that we kind of want to worry about later on in life, but what you do today will affect your heart health tomorrow and in your 50s and 60s and 70s and so on. Well, today we have someone here who is going to fill us in on everything you should be doing for your heart health today. Dr. Joanna McMillan is a PhD qualified nutrition scientist and accrediting dietitian and a former fitness instructor, and she joins me in the studio. Joe, thank you for coming into Body and Soul HQ. How was your well? How's been? How's your morning been? You had a delicious breakfast. What did you? Eat? I did have a delicious breakfast. Well, I did have eggs this morning. I had my <laughs> eggs, but I have them with. Um, usually, I try to use up my leftovers the night before, so I throw a whole heap of veggies. So this morning, I think it was mushrooms and asparagus and zucchini, and um, with some leftover potatoes. I'm a Scot, so you know potatoes are a regular feature in my extra virgin olive oil. Very heart healthy food, and then I poached a couple of eggs and popped them on top. It was absolutely delicious. And that was after my, oh, I did a 7K so... walk this morning with my dog. What? So I've had a bit of a good, oh you know, I've had a bit of a lovely morning. <laughs> do you do that every morning? <laughs> I don't do it every morning, but I do try, I try to drop the kids at school and then take the dog for a walk immediately. And I'm training for a trek at the moment. So I am Fair trying enough. to do some long walks. So. I was going to, I was going to say 7Ks, just cranking yeah. out 7Ks in the morning. <laughs> That's impressive. <laughs> and my next question, because I do ask this for everyone who comes on the podcast was how do you stay extra healthy in your life? But you kind of just answered that. Oh, well, I just gave you a tip. I do do a lot of walking. My my gorgeous dog Spartacus is my walking buddy and I've got a really good mate who often walks with me. So I find walking is my, med- I don't meditate regularly, but walking is kind of my meditation. Yeah, I think it's a walk- yeah. walking meditation. And it's when I listen to my podcast if I'm walking on my own. So yes. if you're walking right now, thank you for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Now, well, we're talking about something that um, walking can help, which is the mm. heart, our heart. Now it is, uh, well, cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death for women in Australia. Mm. Now, a lot of our listeners obviously aren't in their 70s or 80s. So talk to us about what we can do for our heart health in this Mm. age bracket before we get we have to worry about that later on in life. Yeah, and I, look, I know it's a really hard thing to think about when you're young and invincible. And um, But what we've got to remember is heart health and other chronic diseases are things that take years and decades to develop. So you can already be developing atherosclerosis right back in your 20s and 30s. So you've got to think, and the earlier you start thinking about it, the better. Now, the good news is I know it can be hard today to be motivated to do stuff that's about you know some disease you may or may not get down the line. But two things I will say is one, double the amount of women um, die from heart disease as as breast cancer. Yet we do think about breast cancer a lot earlier. So if we really think about that, that, you know, because I think we think this is a disease about men and it's not, it really does affect us. And the second thing is the things that we'll talk about today, the things that you can do to improve your heart health are actually also the stuff that's going to make you feel better today. You're going to feel better and look better because it's the kind of things that will make your skin glow um, help you get your weight under control and be, you know, at a healthy weight for you. Um, help you to have a fired up brain and be able to be creative at work. Help you to have more energy and to sleep better and so on. So actually, that's what's really nice about my area of work, which is lifestyle medicine and, and nutrition in particular. Pulling those things together at any age actually benefits you now, and it's certainly going to benefit you in the long term, health wise. Why do we? Why have we focused on men when it's come to heart health? Mm. Like, why do we think men are more likely to die when in fact 
fact it's women? What's something's gone? Yeah, oh, well, I, 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 I can't give you the figures off the top of my head. I think still more men get heart disease. I think, okay. but because but because women um, are are more focused on things like breast cancer, and and we've flown under the radar. And the other thing I really think uh, that I've been reading a lot about lately is that the fact that so much research is done on men, mm. not on women, and that's because, and I've come from a background of of nutrition science research, and still do some today, um, is that it can be hard to study women because we get these pesky menstrual cycles. Cycles that you know means hormones change Pesky, throughout right? the month. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah, trying to align women and get them all in the same day of the month and all that sort of stuff can really complicate nutrition studies. And a, a lot of things are impacted by our you know changing hormone levels. So in the past, what's happened is researchers have thought, let's just do it in men, and then research results are just applied to everybody. And I think that's one of the the big problems, and it is being addressed in research. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's led to to a big problem. And the other thing we have to be aware of is that many of the symptoms that have been talks about in relation to having a heart attack or having heart problems are slightly different in women and can be very different in women. And that's not been talked enough about. And we've got, you know, people like the Heart Foundation are doing a lot of work in that area to try to make women more aware of understanding what what can be affecting us. So, you know, the bottom line, if, if listeners just take one thing home today, it is don't take your heart health for granted. The younger you, you, that you start thinking about the things to put in place, they're going to benefit you now and they're certainly going to benefit you long term. What are the risk factors for women when it mm. comes to heart health or heart yeah. attacks? Yeah, well, or... the risk factor for all of us, mm. um, men included, I mean, and sex is one of them. But, you know, there's some things we can't do anything about. Your ethnicity will impact your risk, um, your your family history, you know, which includes, of course, your genetics. But, you know, you also share your environment with your family. So there's environmental factors there. And age, you know, I've just turned 50. So I sadly can't do anything about that. <laughs> we can't do anything about our age. But here's the things we can do things about. So your waist circumference, that's a, a sort of surrogate measure of how much fat you're um, containing inside your around the internal organs that's underneath the abdominal muscles so it's not the stuff you can pinch but it's that internal fat which is called visceral fat that's a risk factor for heart disease and of course that's you know um, highly impacted by your diet and your lifestyle including exercise we've got things like whether or not you have type 2 diabetes and your nutrition and exercise stress levels sleep can all impact your risk both there but also be involved in the management of type 2 diabetes if you already have it. So when we start, and then of course, there's the blood factors. So things like blood cholesterol, which is kind of a misnomer. It's not really total blood cholesterol. We know is important anymore. It's your whole lipid profile. So you need to understand what's your LDL cholesterol, your HDL cholesterol, your total cholesterol, your triglycerides, and some tests will even go beyond that. So you need to know that kind of profile of of different blood fats. Um, You need to understand what your blood pressure is. So I recently did a whole barrage of tests to check my risk. um, And I did a 24 four-hour blood um, pressure monitoring. And that was kind of fascinating to do. And thankfully, mine's okay. But there's a lot, again, from a nutrition and lifestyle perspective that you can do if your blood pressure is a bit high. So these are all things that we can relatively easily check. Your blood sugars, you know, in your blood insulin, whether you've got raised inflammatory markers in your blood. And these can all be little red flags and things that you can start doing something about now. Do you think it's worth going for those tests? You know, if you're in your, mm. I know you're not a doctor, but you know, you're in this space, but in your 20s and 30s and just keeping an eye on those the lipids that where they're sitting and and just being knowledgeable about that. Yes, look, there's two points of view. I know some of my my GP and and other medical colleagues 
will say, well, we've also got to be careful we're not draining Medicare with a whole lot of unnecessary yes, things. Yes. I mean, I just had all my tests done because I was turning 50 and yeah. all the tests I've just had done, I don't think that you need to do if you're a healthy 20-something yeah, year old. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as your risk increases with age, then I think it becomes more important and different tests will be recommended at different stages of life. But nevertheless, I think understanding some figures and and you may choose to pay for them yourself. I know there's a number of online, um, you know, I've, I've just been recently reviewing and checking out uh, an online American company that do a whole load of different blood biomarkers. And I have to admit, having done them myself, I did feel a bit like we use this term, the worried well. <laughs> and when all my markers came back, fine. You know thought, what? Oh. I've also done my markers and I found it, uh, it just kind of relaxed me a bit, I think. Yes. Just, and, and just gave me some ballpark figure as, okay, here I am at this age. Yes. So what am I going to be at? 50. <laughs> exactly. And that's a good point to make. I think it's, it's, uh, for, I felt the same as you that I felt relieved and thought, okay, that's good. I can relax about those things. I'm on the right track. But I could also compare my cholesterol levels to the way they were. I did them myself way back when I was doing my PhD. So I was aware of what they were 20 years ago. Whereas if you've never had it measured, I guess you don't, you don't know. Is this yes. a recent rise yeah. or is this potentially something that's genetic that I have to be on top of? So look, I think we don't, if those tests make you anxious and make you even more, worried well, then then perhaps relax a little bit. But I think there's there's never any harm in having a regular check with your GP and ask your GP about how appropriate and how often should you be having these kinds of tests. Yeah. Yeah. Good advice. Now, let's get on to what we should be eating for better yeah. heart health. Some What are some key vitamins, minerals, nutrients that we should be including in our diet? Well, what to remember is that we have a lot of nutrient requirements. So it's very tempting to look at supplements and think, oh, I need more of that, more of this. And apparently this is really good. So I'm always a little bit hesitant to talk about individual nutrients if it's going to send people that way. When you look at a whole food, it contains a barrage of different vitamins, of minerals, and what we call phytochemicals, um, and other chemicals that are also found in animal foods too. So we've got this barrage of different antioxidants and and this group, very important group of compounds called polyphenols that actually includes a hundred or more. It's such a great word. <laughs> Isn't it? It just makes me feel healthy. <laughs> yeah. And we know that polyphenols is kind of a hot area of nutrition research because they're shown to be so important for your gut microbiome. And the gut microbiome is, in, is involved in turning these compounds in our foods into more bioactive compounds that actually then have an influence on your heart, on your brain, and on other aspects of our physical and mental health. So they're a pretty extraordinary group of compounds. And we get them in mostly plant foods, but we also get some of those uh, um, antioxidants in things like eggs. So in an egg yolk, that beautiful orange yellow color is coming from two carotenoids called lutein and zeaxanthin. And we know they play a really important role in eye health, but they have this antioxidant, anti-inflammatory effect um, throughout the body and potentially also then have a role in heart health. So they're a good example of, we think of antioxidants associated with plant foods, but we do actually get some in, in some animal foods too. We'll be back after this short break with more from Joe. News doesn't have to be boring. The Brits have given Prince Harry a new nickname after yet another tell-all interview. Oh, God, is it the ginger winger? <laughs> <laughs> Let the team at news.com.au get you up to speed each day with their podcast from the newsroom. A couple were busted joining the Mile High Club. Well, I guess they can't fly virgin anymore. <laughs> Politics, sport, red carpets, royals. Get all the goss in just a few minutes. Follow from the newsroom wherever you get your podcast from. Now, I'm just going to ask you about eggs. Let's go on to some other foods in a, in a minute. We did mention this in Healthish, but I just wanted mm. you to talk to it again because we there has been a lot of research that 
that say, that says that eggs are bad for they can increase your bad cholesterol. Mm. What's your take on this? And well, they don't at all. I mean, that's what we knew. be reassured that the latest evidence is very clearly showing. When I say the latest evidence, I also mean over the last few years. You know, we're not talking about one study that came out last month. We're talking about the the, the collection, and this is what's really important when you look at nutrition research. You can't pick one study. Diet is a complex thing to measure, so we've got to look at the totality of evidence, and we very clearly see that not only do eggs have very little, if any, impact on your blood cholesterol profile, they also have little, if any, impact on your heart health. So these are a safe food. So the, the Australian Heart Foundation here has recently changed their advice. And for healthy people, there's now no limit on the amount of eggs that you should eat. Oh, that's and great So that's news. great news. Yeah. Good news. <laughs> and I would far rather, people were eating, I mean, that's one of the things I love about, about eggs are that, one, they're affordable. Um, and, you know, so often when I hear people talking about nutrition, they talk about really fancy imported. And they're just so easy. <laughs> yes. Like I just throw them Eggs in the pot just and then easy. they're ready in 10 minutes. Great yeah. kid food too, kid snack food. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. anyone who's got little kids, oh, get them having a boiled egg in the morning with toast soldiers with some avocado. You're in a winning uh, Protein meal. powerhouses yeah. as I call them. So eggs are a great food to include in your diet, undoubtedly. What else should we be having? Yeah, well, the other, the other thing to mention about eggs is the fact that um, uh, eggs, the way that you eat them is really important. So we talk about other foods. If you team your eggs up because you're grabbing a fast food bacon and egg kind of muffin type meal in the morning, that's not so great. But what about if you're having eggs the way I did this morning with my leftover potatoes from the night before, a whole bunch of different veggies fried up and it's some extra virgin olive oil, the heart healthy fat you should be including every single day. We know there's really good evidence behind extra virgin olive oil, lowering blood pressure, improving your blood cholesterol profile, having an anti-inflammatory effect, even being neuroprotective in the brain, being really good in the gut and helping you control your appetite so that you eat less. So that can and help you to reduce that visceral fat that we talked about. So, you know, that that kind of a meal that's combining your eggs with the veggies that are loading you up with fiber. By using my potatoes from the night before, I got resistant starch and that's a really great fuel for the gut microbiome. And that has a knock-on impact on helping to bring your blood sugar, giving you better blood sugar control, um, helping to, to influences the liver production of cholesterol. So that can also help with improving your blood cholesterol levels. So that's just an example of how it's actually how you put your diet together more than individual foods that's really important. So when we look at heart healthy eating patterns, what I personally tend to do mostly is a Mediterranean style um, pattern of eating. But you can also follow more of a Japanese style. Just watch the salt levels when you have more of an Asian style diet. But we've got great evidence behind these kinds of, of, of eating patterns. Or you can go to one of the sort of medical models. So if you have got pl- trouble with your blood pressure, for example, you can follow the DASH diet, which is very sort of similar, to be honest, to a Mediterranean-style diet. And, and that's what to picture is you can't sort your diet with one food. You've got to try to look at the big picture and look at how you're putting those foods together. That's a great way to put it. Now, what about any foods to avoid? Yeah, you know, it's ultra processed foods. This is the other shift that we've had. I've had a bit of a bee in my bonnet for many years, but thankfully everybody's starting to come on board with me now, which I'm really pleased about. Not that not that this was solely my idea, but for a long time I've I've really thought we're on the wrong track here, focusing on should it be low fat? Should it be low carb? And we've had this focus on nutrients that are in food instead of looking at the food itself. And now we've got this different way of looking at food. There's even an official um, uh, classification called the NOVA classification. It essentially classifies foods based on how processed they are. So we've got group one oh, being wow. whole foods and we've got group four being 
essentially highly processed ingredients that are then made into foods. Yes, yeah. yeah. So think of lots of the sort of salty flavored snack foods that are on the in packets in the supermarket. So that would be a good example. So it's those ultra processed foods. If you read the ingredients list and there's hardly well, I any think whole you need foods. You a degree in nutrition sometimes to read it. <laughs> read an ingredients list or a pharmacy degree probably. <laughs> yeah, more. Exactly. Um, yeah, so uh, that's a good sign that okay, that's maybe not such a great food. <laughs> Whereas, you know, looking at a banana in the skin, really are we going to call that a carb and say it's bad for us? That's a banana. Come on, which is the which is the the healthier food? So that's the bottom line is to shift away from those ultra processed foods. A little bit of and you notice I always say ultra processed because people say to me, "Oh, our processed foods bad." Well, cooking, you know, canning, freezing, these are all levels of processing. Yeah, that's a good point. What what distinguishes an ultra processed from a processed? Yeah. So processed is just where we've taken the whole food and often it's a good thing. You know, canned tomatoes, you absorb more of the lycopene from, you know, tomato paste or even from canned cooked tomatoes, especially if they've been with extra virgin olive oil because the fat helps you absorb the lycopene. So that's a good example of sometimes it even improves nutrition. And certainly that level of processing, so canning legumes, cooking and canning them, is makes it easier for us to consume. So it actually makes a healthier diet easier, often makes nutrients more available. The problem is when we take the next level and we take, for example, we take a grain and we process it and get rid of all that nasty fiber and that gets rid of lots of the nutrients as well. And we take the starchy center and we get rid of the protein and we extract all of the starch. So we get this refined starch. And then we take sugar from another that's been extracted from another plant and we mix that with some highly refined and processed seed oil. And then we put on a whole bunch of flavorings and we make, I don't know, a donut or a, you know, or a cookie <laughs> you or a biscuit. make it sound so unappetizing. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> That's an ultra processed food. Yeah. yeah nicely explained. Let, quickly, before we go, let's talk about exercise. Um, we know, mm. just remind us, we know it's important, but interestingly, I just came across a study that says intense activity has a substantial benefit for heart health. It does. Yes, it does. And and look, for people, you know, you've got kind of younger audiences here, so hopefully none of them have existing heart disease. I do say if you've got existing heart disease, go and get a stress test, you know, yeah. see your doctor and get the all clear. But for most healthy people, um, you know, more intense exercise is great, if you're, especially if you're really busy. So even our exercise recommendation state, you need about two and a half to five hours a week of more moderate intense exercise. So that's going for a brisk walk or, you know, going for what with your dog and doing some gardening or that sort of dancing on the weekend. Those things all classify as moderate activity. But if you do intense, you can get away with one and a quarter to two and a half hours a week. So you could do Easy. a couple of HIIT classes, yes. <laughs> which is my, I love HIIT because when I've got, when I don't have time to do a 7K walk, I can do a 40 minute HIIT cycle class at my local gym. And I know that I've worked really, really hard. And I know I've worked in a very different way to doing the longer walk that takes me, you know, over an hour. So so if, if for people who are short on time, we've got busy lives and, you know, if you've got family or all you've of got us. social, but yeah, it's pr yeah. pretty much all of us. <laughs> yeah. Then, then doing that more intense activity, undoubtedly, and you're raising your heart rate higher. Um, you're, you're having a very different effect on your heart than doing that sort of long, slow type exercise. What are some other daily habits we should include for better heart health? Yeah, well, I think a really good one to to talk about for our listeners today is is sleep and stress. Two things that are very often forgotten about. I think, when, especially when we're younger, we're, it's almost a badge of honour to think I can get away with less sleep, and you're often burning the candle at both ends, either because you're 
partying and working or you've got young kids and you're working, it can be really hard to get enough sleep. And I think it's something that we try to soldier on through. And we, if you have a nap in the day, we call it a nana nap. What a terrible name. That's a good we need point. to rename it back to the power Long nap idea. The nap. <laughs> I love a nap. Yeah. We need to put our emphasis on better sleep because we know that has really important impacts on not just heart health, but also things like mental health and other other things that we could talk about. So I think that's one. And the other is is stress. You know, a little amount of stress is good. You know, I don't know how you work, Felicity, but I think actually we've worked together over the years. You probably know how I work. Give me a deadline and it oh, happens. Yes. <laughs> deadline, always. <laughs> don't give me a deadline and I'll be saying, can I get that to you next week, Felicity? So I think a little bit of stress is good. It can be motivating. Um, and a little bit of stress can also be exciting and, mm. you know, being excited about looking forward to something. But it's where stress tips over to burnout. And to know if you're getting close to that burnout, it's start paying attention to your own behavior. Are you irritable? Are you snapping at the, usually it's our loved ones around us. Um, you know, are you snapping at your partner? Are you snapping at your, your kids if you've got them? Snapping at your colleagues? That's a surefire sign that actually you're starting to not have your stress under control. And that has an impact on a whole load of different hormones in the body. It impacts the way you eat. You tend to eat worse often when oh, you're very absolutely. stressed. Long live the donut when yeah. you're stressed. <laughs> <laughs> or you don't eat and then you're skipping meals and you're, and that can be just as detrimental. It also, of course, then has an impact on your, on your sleep. And then when you're tired and cranky, you're less likely to exercise. And so there's this kind of domino effect. So I think, yeah, sleep and stress are the two things I'd add back in there. So really, it just comes down to the basics to look after our heart for later in life. We have to start now. Start now and, and reap the rewards from, you know, putting those things as your default diet and lifestyle. It doesn't mean you can't have fun. A, you know, a, a nutritious diet should also be so delicious and it should be shared. So I think that's the last really, I'd love to leave women with that idea is, you know, let's not allow the idea of healthy eating and healthy living to overtake our lives to such an extent that we let our social connections go and we're worried to go to dinner and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Uh, we just need to make sure that we don't allow health to become another stress. It actually should be a really pleasurable, enjoyable part of our lives. Yeah, great point. Joe, thank you for coming on Extra Healthy Ish. My pleasure. Well, I hope you got something out of that little reminder. It is like a reminder. Every time I do these interviews about heart health, about salt content or sugar content, I know it's stuff we all know, but it's good to be reminded. If you do want more info on anything heart health related, we do have more on bodyandsoul.com.au and we've also done a redesign. Have you checked that out? Or you can join the conversation by Body and Soul on Instagram, Facebook or TikTok. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you have a moment, we'd be so grateful if you could rate, review and subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. Thank you. And until tomorrow, stay extra healthy-ish. I'm Sarah Lamarquin, Editor-in-Chief of Stella and host of our podcast called Something to Talk About. Every weekend we publish a new episode where you'll hear compelling personalities, strong opinions and thought-provoking conversations. I wanted to be able to do it in my time when I was ready and speak my truth when I was ready. The topic of when do I become a mum, that is in my mind 24-7. Search for Something to Talk About wherever you listen to your podcasts.